Hi again everyone, welcome back to our Holy Spirit series as we're looking at the gifts of the Spirit and today we're looking at the gift of miracles. And we find that in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 10 where it says to another the working of miracles. And then if you go down to verse 28 we read there, And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, variety of tongues. And we see that this gift is also in the plural again. It's miracles. So it's gifts of miracles, plural. Um, and, and though many miracles of the New Testament were healings, and we spent the last two episodes looking at the gifts of healings, plural again, though many miracles in the New Testament were healings, Paul here lists miracles as a separate gift to the gifts of healings. So the context must have something other than physical healing in view alone. And when we look at the Greek word for miracles, the gift of miracles, um, it's in the plural form as dynamis, which is the word that we get power from in the New Testament. And the NIV actually translates this a gift of miracles as miraculous powers. The New American Standard Bible in the margin uh, renders it works of power in both verse 10 and 28. And so really what we're saying is the gift of miracles, plural, is any activity where God's mighty power, his dynamous power, is displayed. The word dynamis is used in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 54, where it says the people were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Dynamis is the word. And this is the word that is used for the water being turned into wine in John chapter 2 and the feeding of the 5,000 in John chapter 6. And actually when Peter was preaching his sermon on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2.22, he says, Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, these dynamous miracles, wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. And this word is also used of deliverance from danger. It's used of the casting out of demons. And in Mark chapter 9, verse 38 and 39, we read there, Now John answered him, saying, Teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he does not follow us. But Jesus said, Do not forbid him, for no one who works a miracle, there it is again, in my name, can soon afterwards speak evil of me. So Jesus says, No one can do a miracle and speak evil of me, and if they do the miracle in my name, but then this miracle was in fact the casting out of demons that these people were doing. So he's equating um, deliverance from the demonic with a miracle, with a dynamous work of power. Now I want you to note this. The purpose ultimately of a miracle is to glorify God. It certainly is not to glorify any man other than Jesus Christ. But it also has the, the role of attesting as a sign and we saw this last time with the gifts of healings, that it's not just a sign 
to attest to the gospel as being true, but it's actually a sign of the gospel that the gospel message is one of good news, restoration, one of healing and wholeness in Jesus Christ and his new covenant. And if you know anything about Jewish biblical history, you will know that the Jews would never acknowledge a prophet who did not do supernatural signs. So this is, as Paul describes in 2 Corinthians 12, 12, miracles is one of the signs of, the, of an apostle or, or, or this apostolic message, in fact. In 2 Corinthians 12, 12, we read, Truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Now that doesn't mean that only apostles can do signs, wonders, miracles and healings because we know from scripture and from other characters and we've shown this who were not apostles. Uh, Ananias is one who remember prayed for Paul that his sight would come back and uh, he was not an apostle. He was just described as a disciple. So these were not signs that were just used by apostles but they were signs of an apostle of God bringing his prophetic message, of God bringing his new covenant to the world. This was a sign. But we see here in in the list that Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians 12 that miracle is of a slightly higher order than a healing. You see that in the order in which it's given in verse 28. God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healing. So miracles comes before the gifts of of healing. Uh, I think the reason for that is that a healing can be gradual. You can have someone being prayed for for healing or receiving medical intervention and their healing is over a period of time. A, a healing can also be imperceptible. You could pray for someone for a particular condition but you, you don't really know whether God's answered in that moment or not. It will be over time that that will be displayed and evidenced. Whereas Usually a miracle is instantaneous and it is obvious. Um, It's in the moment, there and then, and you can tell and test that God has done something miraculous. Um, Another distinction, I suppose, is you, you can't heal something that is not there. So if there's something missing in a person's body... Uh, You can't heal it because it's not there to be healed. It's not broken. It doesn't exist. Whereas a miracle would be the type of event where something that was missing was actually created. A creative miracle where God gives you something that you didn't have before rather than healing something that was broken, diseased. Um, So that's the difference, if you like, between healings and miracles. It's a very interesting passage in Galatians chapter 3, verse 2 to 5. I want to read it to you. Paul says this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain. Therefore he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you. Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Very interesting phrase there, the hearing of faith. But let me give you a bit of context to the book of Galatians. I'm sure you'll probably already know that the the people there were beginning to preach a false gospel. They were being influenced by Judaizers, false teachers who were coming in and saying it's enough. It's not enough that you just believe in Jesus and, and his death on the cross. You've got to add to it the Jewish laws, rituals, customs and the rites. Um, and uh, 
they were starting to imbibe and, and, and preach that gospel. There was also a lot of legalism because, as you can imagine, when you bring law into the thing, the message of grace was being diluted. And so Paul is addressing that as well. And there was immorality because we find out from Galatians 5 that whenever we live out of the flesh, even if we think it's good flesh and morality and religion, it actually multiplies the bad flesh, magnifies it in us because that which is flesh is flesh, Jesus said. So there was, there was a false gospel, there was legalism, there was immorality, and yet there were still miracles among them. Now just take a moment to consider that. We don't have too many miracles among us today, perhaps, that we can testify of. And yet we take such great pride in the accuracy of our doctrine and our sound teaching. And so that might help us uh, to, to, to just be a little bit more humble when it comes to where God's doing miracles. They may not have got everything right in their doctrine, practice or morality, but God can show up and and. Paul says in Galatians that the miracles that happened among them did not happen because of their good works, but the hearing of faith. These are grace gifts, charis gifts, charisms of grace, but we receive them by the hearing of faith. And if you study miracles in the Bible, you will find out that almost every time an act of faith triggered a miracle, and and similarly with healings also. And, And sometimes it was the the faith of the sick person. We find that in Luke 8, 48 with the woman with the issue of blood. It was her faith that uh, made her whole, Jesus said. You find it also in Luke 17, 19 with the ten lepers. He said, your faith has made you well. And there are other times that it's not the faith of the sick person, but the faith of those who are bringing the sick person to Jesus. And in Mark 2, verse 5, that famous story of the paralyzed man who the four friends broke up the the roof of the house, probably Peter's house, and lowered down the man to Jesus, and he healed him, and he forgave his sins as well. But not only is there the faith of the sick person, the faith of those bringing this sick person, but there can also be the faith of those coming on behalf of a sick person, maybe coming in proxy for them. And we see that in the Syrophoenician woman who came to Jesus on behalf of her daughter in Matthew fifteen twenty eight, or indeed the Roman centurion who came uh, on the behalf of his servant, that his servant would be healed in Matthew eight ten and 13. And then as well we have in James the faith of elders, anointing a sick person who has called the elders. Obviously there's faith on behalf of the person calling for the elders, believing that something's going to happen. And there's the faith of the elders, uh, the prayer of faith will save the sick as they anoint um, the sick person. Jesus of Nazareth when he was in Nazareth of course you know that um, his family at times didn't even believe that he was who he said he was they started to doubt what he was claiming and we read in Mark chapter 6 and verse 5 that Jesus could do no mighty work there that's the word for miracle except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them now I think we would We'd kind of be content with just seeing a few sick people healed, wouldn't we? But you see that Mark distinguishes the healings of just seeing a few sick people healed from the miraculous works, this dynamous works of power, these miracles. And Jesus couldn't see the miracles in his own home vicinity because of the unbelief of those around. That's very interesting because right away we're seeing there very graphically the connection between faith and 
and this gift of miracles. Indeed, in Mark chapter 7, we read this story of a man that Jesus took aside from the crowd. We we read there, verse 32, Then they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to put his hand on him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers in his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue, and then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, If Ephatha, that is, be opened, and immediately his ears were opened, and the impediment of his tongue was loosed, and he spoke plainly. And so Jesus, he obviously wasn't wanting to make a spectacle of this a deaf and mute man, so he took him aside. But could there be another reason why he took him away from the company? We saw in our last study how when Jesus was performing um, resurrection uh, or a resuscitation in, in Jairus' house of Jairus' daughter, he put out the mourners because he was putting out unbelief. Is the same that Peter did in the house of Dorcas. He put away the mourners outside um, because it was sapping the faith. And could it be that Jesus separated this deaf and mute man away from the unbelief that there was in that crowd? He took him aside from the multitude. We find in Mark 8, 22 through 26, something similar, I believe. Then he came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to him and he begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hand on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. That's, that's very strong. He took him out of the town. To heal him and then he says don't don't go back into the town and don't tell anybody in the town and it seems to be there was so much unbelief in this vicinity that to do this miracle Jesus took him out of the town I'll leave that with you it's very hard to prove but I think that is the indication of the passage apparently the unbelief the atmosphere of doubt was so strong that it could affect even Jesus when he was performing his miracles. Now, if you think that that that, that could not be the case with Jesus, you're ignoring uh, what it says in Mark 6, 5, that he couldn't do any mighty work there because of their unbelief. And so faith and miracles are connected even in the life of the Lord Jesus. Jesus even prayed twice with this man, first time he saw men like trees walking he had to pray a second time so I think if Jesus prayed twice whatever the reasons were for we can pray twice and even more times uh, with others to be healed and to see miracles healings merge with miracles you remember we talked about how these gifts of the spirit are like the colors of the rainbow there are overlap in them healings merge with miracles uh, an instantaneous visible healing is a miracle and healings and miracles merge with this gift of faith as well because most of the time though there can be sovereign miracles most of the time miracles are a response to an act of faith of someone not always the person being prayed for or in need but of someone and so you see how we need the holy spirit and all his ministry to see the kingdom of god coming in power uh, through the gifts of the Spirit. 
Now, can I just give a practical note here uh, for, for you if you need a healing or you want to pray for others for healing. It's always good to get people to do something uh, when they're receiving prayer for healing. Um, of course, James 2, 20 and 26 tells us that faith without works is dead. And it's always get good to get people to act out in faith to what they're hoping to receive. And we find something similar to that in Acts 3, uh, 2 through 8, where you get the healing of the, the lame man at the temple gate. And uh, Peter stretched out his hand to that man after he'd prayed for him. He stretched out his hand to raise the man up. And it says that as he was being raised up, that his, his ankles were strengthened and the healing was performed. So it's good to encourage people to expect and that's where stories of healing being told and testified can create faith in people. Words of knowledge, words of, uh, of wisdom, prophetic utterances can create faith in people to believe that, that God is going to do something in my life. And so it's good to encourage people to expect and that often can look like testing um, a prayer. For healing and what I mean by that is if you're praying for someone and, it, and it's not going to hurt or harm them or damage them any further it might be good for them to test whether they have pain in that area without damaging themselves whether the pain in that area or whether there's a change and whatever that percentage might be and to thank God for it and then to pray for more but by asking them to test the condition you're moving them from being passive wanting just to receive something to actually being active in their faith to step out to believe and expect. Very often we kind of pray for a healing or a miracle and we close our eyes and ears because we're afraid that it's not going to happen. Um, that's because we believe it's not going to happen. But by actually testing the thing, we're, we're acting in faith and expectation, anticipating that God indeed may well come through and we believe he is the God who can do these things. So if you have something right now, as I've invited you previously to pray, and we've discussed the mystery there is in healing, we've discussed not everybody is healed instantly, and some people are never healed. But God does heal at times, and we need to expect it, we believe it's his general will to heal his creation and to bring us into the complete wholeness of the new covenant. That will only happen one day in our resurrection bodies, but we believe he gives us this little foretaste and deposits to display the goodness of his gospel and his heart toward us from time to time, the kingdom coming, the now but the not yet that we discuss. So why not pray? Why not ask God? And as I said last time, there is a ratio. The more you pray for people for healing, the more healings you will see. And why don't you pray now for yourself or maybe for another person and uh, maybe lay your hand on where that issue or problem is. If you need a miracle, if there's something missing, ask God to grant the miracle and speak in Jesus' name that that thing should be there that isn't there. If there's something that is there that shouldn't be there, a tumour or a disease or something like that, an affliction, a pain, command it to go in Jesus' name. After praying to Father in Jesus' name for the healing, command it to go, speak to the condition as Jesus very often did in his healing ministry. Command the thing to go, command it to be healed in Jesus' name by faith. And then test it. Why not do that now? And test the thing. Stand up if you if you had a pain before. Test it. Uh, but maybe it's something that cannot be tested. It will be a healing that will be attested to in time through tests or whatever. But why not step out in faith as you pray for others and as you pray for yourself and expect God to do something that only he 
can do. And we thank him for physicians. We thank him for medicine. But we also need him. We pray and use these things. But sometimes medicine has no answer. Uh, or sometimes they, they aren't coming through in time. And we need God. We need God. So why not pray to him now? And I'll pray for you. Lord, I thank you for everybody who's gathered here. And we want to be sensitive to those who've been prayed for for healing for years. And it's never happened. And those who have been hurt by those who have claimed the gift of healing or miracles, Lord. We're not into that. We're not wanting to, 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 to further people's trauma or deepen it. We're not wanting in any way to claim things are happening that aren't happening. But yet, Lord, we know that you are God who is able to do miracles and we've seen you do miracles. And I ask that you would do miracles for people right now, especially those who maybe don't know you as their saviour and have bowed to you as Lord of their life. And we pray that you'll come and show that you're real, demonstrate your power, and manifest the goodness of your gospel and your new covenant. Lord, we thank you that we know that God is good because Jesus demonstrated the goodness of God when he died on the cross for us. But we're also told that by his stripes we are healed. And we pray that we will see healings and miracles and signs and wonders, not just to attest the authenticity of the message of the good news, but actually manifest the goodness of God through the message of the gospel. So I bless the people that are listening and watching to experience God's touch on their life. And we pray that God will get all the glory in Jesus Christ, his son, in whose name we pray. Amen. And if you have been touched by God and experienced a miracle, why not tell us? Why not write to us, preachtheword.com and tell us what God has done. And uh, we'll glorify God with you and rejoice in, in, in his touch on your life. So come back with us next time and we'll, we'll further look at more of these gifts of the Spirit. Thank you for joining us.